Well, you know, I, I think some of these guys are starting to get that attitude. And, you know, whether it's the World Series or just tomorrow night's game, I think there's a lot of sentiment about uh, surrounding the fact that there's a, there's a confidence brewing in this club uh, that is starting to match up with the talent on the field. And I think that's a very encouraging thing. How far that takes us this year, I think, yet to be determined. Uh, but I would say that I am very proud watching this team. The maturation that has taken place inside of a season is pretty significant, uh, quite monumental, really, when you feel when you realize where we came from last year and the attitude we could have had coming into the season. And I give these guys a ton of credit. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We are back, back again, episode 95 of the Scoop Podcast. We will this week go back to what we did a couple weeks ago and three weeks ago, divide up interviews and news and notes, although there's a bunch to get to news and notes-wise. What is going on with Andrew Wiggins? Not at group workouts, not at Mayo Clinic Square. Where is Andrew Wiggins? What is going on with the Wiggins contract extension? Plus momentum that the Wolves could indeed add Dante Cunningham to Shabazz Muhammad as free agent signees this week. The Wolves still haven't decided on a point guard, but they'd like to add a point guard. All sorts of stuff going on with the Wolves. Bialica injury update, Patton injury update. So we'll save that for episode 96. Here in episode 95, we'll focus on some conversations. Twins GM Thad Levine is pretty much a regular now. We'll catch up with Thad. I will play my conversation with Joe Nathan that was meant for episode 94, but we ran out of time. He retired as a twin a couple weeks back. Plus a brief update from Justin Morneau. Is he done? Is he retiring? Is he the next former twin to hold a news conference to announce his retirement? Or does Morneau want to continue to play? So we'll get to Levine, Morneau, plus Nathan for sure. Might add a basketball guest. And I know we have Ryan Harris. In fact, we'll start with Ryan Harris. Played for the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Figured, hey, Vikings Steelers week. Why not get... An interesting perspective from a former Pittsburgh Steeler. He now resides in the Denver area, won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. He does a talk show in the Denver area. So he's now a media star, a media guy, played at Notre Dame, played at Creighton Durham Hall, 10-year NFL vet. So Ryan Harris can provide all sorts of perspective on Vikings and Steelers. In fact, we will start with Ryan in just a second, but some love for one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com, Vine Park Brewery. Is right off of West 7th Street in St. Paul. I bet Ryan Harris knows where Vine Park Brewery is, being a St. Paul guy. It is in between 35E and downtown St. Paul, closer to 35E, again on West 7th Street. On Twitter, at Vine underscore Park underscore Brew. Go in, meet the owner, Andy, cool guy. Take a tour of the brewery, $7. Get you a tour of Vine Park Brewery. See how they make their beers, their wines, their root beer. That $7 includes a free flight or pint. So you pay the 7 bucks, you get the tour, right? I mean, heck, 7 bucks for a tour to see how they make all their stuff, all their great-tasting products, that's a steal. But then with that $7, you get a free flight or pint plus Hagee's Pizza. So you can try all their different flavors. If you go the flight route, you think about IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, wheats. They have the right recipe for you. Or just swing in there. If you don't want to take a tour, swing in, grab a growler. Vine Park Brewery. They have unbelievably good beer. Andy Carlson and I did one of the Scoop podcasts from Vine Park Brewery going back a handful of weeks. 
something like episode 84 or 85. I'm telling you, I would not let Vine Park endorse the Scoop podcast if their product wasn't A+. Vine Park Brewery. I'm a beer snob. I'm a beer aficionado at times. Other times I'm like, hey, just give me it. It's alcohol, right? I need a buzz. Give me my beer. But in this case, Vine Park Brewery, Vine Park's products are really, really good. So be sure to show one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast some love. Swing into Vine Park Brewery. Again, for more information, vinepark.com online. All right, let's get to the aforementioned Ryan Harris. Ryan, always good to catch up. Thanks for your time. Okay, so I know on Monday night you're at the at the Broncos-Chargers game, but whether it was DVR, whether it was seeing the highlights sometime Tuesday morning, you know, maybe talking to some friends in the league, I know you still pay plenty of attention to the Vikings. What stood out to you the most about the Vikings' convincing win over New Orleans? Man, I was so happy to watch it. Uh, it's, I'm so happy just for... Minnesota Vikings fans. It's been a long time since we have had a lot to cheer about. You know, I think the defense was fantastic, you know, number one. Uh, but number two is just Sam Bradford just playing and really being the player that because I'm in, I've been in the NFL, I know what he's capable of. I know how talented he is. And unfortunately, when you got a coach like Chip Kelly like he had, you're not going to have as much uh, success. And, you know, Josh McDaniels had that year in St. Louis. Of course, he had injuries, but this is the sweet spot for a real professional's career in the NFL. A guy who's been through bad coaching, experienced, experienced good coaching, overcome his injuries, and is now ready to perform for a second straight year in a, in a similar offense. So I'm excited to see what Sam Bradford does for the Vikings this entire season. He made some unbelievable throws. Throws that make you say, holy, you know what, wow. I mean, throws that, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers can make those throws. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger, your former teammate, can make those throws. But the point is, many quarterbacks can't make some of the throws that he made on Monday. And you also think about it, Ryan. I mean, you can make a case in all his years. You think about his years with the Rams, you know, in Philadelphia. He's never had skill position guys like he has here now when talking about Dalvin Cook, even a guy you know well, Kyle Rudolph at tight end. Then you think about Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. So, yeah, the pieces are in place. There's every reason to think, Ryan, that Sam Bradford should have a really good year. His contract is up after this year. He's looking at some monster money come next March. I mean, one way or another, whether it's with the franchise tag or a long-term deal, Sam Bradford is about to get paid even more money. And that's fine because he deserves it. I mean, I think you've seen, you know, even there at the Minnesota Vikings, but, I mean, you can see around the league each and every year. If you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to be any good. If you have a quarterback, those are hard to come by. You better do as much as you can to, you know, to, like you said, put talent around them, resign them, and, and keep them long term. Because it's a very tough thing to do in the NFL to be accurate to play in the in the NFC Central like you guys are, or the NFC North like you guys are playing in. So it's really a tough thing to do to play in the NFL at quarterback. And if you can be elite at it, you deserve every penny you make. How did you guys win the Super Bowl then two years ago? Because as good as Peyton Manning is. <laughs> He wasn't an elite quarterback that year. I mean, you're right. I mean, for the most part, you can't get to the playoffs. You can't win in the playoffs. You can't win the championship without elite quarterback play. But you guys didn't have that two years ago in Denver. Man, I would disagree vehemently. Oh, and you know okay. what? We, we got All fantasy right. football now. So, hey, this is my second year as a fantasy football owner. I've been, I've been changed as well. You watch the game. You want the numbers. You want the points. But when it comes down to being a champion, it's about the little details. It's about the snap counts, about how you study a defense. Peyton Manning, we may have a, a run-pass check, and he'll call it to a completely other run in the playbook because he sees 
something in the defense. And his ability to diagnose a defense and make short throws on time and get the ball off quickly is a lot of the reason why we were able to win the Super Bowl. It helps being Vaughn Miller's teammate as well. But we won because we were the best team. It wasn't the best quarterback. It wasn't the best, you know, best this or that. We were the best team. And and I will tell you from being in some of the huddles with the great ones, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, you know, even Tim Tebow, Jay Cutler, uh, Peyton Manning was everything that everybody thought he wasn't, and that's why we won. Back to the Vikings, one of your previous answers, you went with the we card. We, when talking about Vikings fans, you still have a strong passion for the Vikings, don't you? Hey, man, I got, hey, I'm out of the closet now. I've been a closet Vikings fan for the last 10 years, you know, uh, in the NFL. My rookie year, I was excited after they had won the week one matchup. I can't remember who it was against, and everybody on the plane was like, dude, you can't be a Minnesota Vikings fan in the NFL. So I'm born and bred in the capital city of St. Paul, Minnesota, and, uh, you know, I'm happy to be a, uh, a Vikings fan again. And, you know, I even sang the Skull Vikings song today on my radio show because every time the Vikes <laughs> win, I'm going to sing it on my radio show, darn it. Do you have a Vikings tattoo? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> oh, I thought you did. I thought the rumor was that either you were thinking about getting one or you had gotten one. <laughs> and listen, when they put a black put a black Ragnar out there, maybe I'll think about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's fun, though, to share just the – just, you know, it's, it's more about more than the team, you know, being a Vikings fan. You know, that's kind of our cultural culture and heritage in Minnesota, no matter what color you are. I mean, you don't live through winters in Minnesota, you survive them. And a lot of it, you know, is due to the sports and camaraderie that we each share living in the great state of Minnesota. So I'm happy to be able to tell people out loud again that I'm a Broncos, or I'm a Vikings fan. Was there at any point, Ryan, that you thought you would actually play for the Vikings? Did they come calling at different points? I did have a workout with them, uh, you know, after my third back surgery. Um, but uh, so, I mean, it was a very special time. And, and actually, the old line coach then, Davison, uh, is here in the, at the Broncos now. But, uh, you know, it's also, I'm, I'm so happy the way my career planned out. You know, being able to win a championship with the franchise that drafted me, go and play for the Steelers afterwards and, and now retire. I mean, I'm one of five players who have been able to retire that I played with. And uh, to be able to walk out on my own terms with the championship, um, couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. I mean, I suppose the magic number was 10, right? That you got to 10 NFL seasons? Yep, 10 NFL seasons. And, man, they were, it was a journey. It was a, a journey of epic proportions. And, uh, you know, I, I just enjoy now sharing my knowledge, you know, not just of football, but of overcoming doubt and, and, and believing in myself and investing time and money and, and sharing that with people, uh, you know, anytime and any chance I can. As you look at Sunday, Viking Steelers, you obviously have intimate knowledge about the Steelers. How do you dissect that matchup? Well, the Steelers are incredibly, incredibly tough. I mean, it's not just Antonio Brown. They also have Martavis Bryant back. You know, uh, Bell is going to be playing even better because, you know, that's just his first week back playing football. They have an outstanding offensive line. You know, I credit Mike Tomlin. Uh, you know, he's a fantastic coach. And sometimes in the NFL, and even college, Coaches put, you know, other coaches around them who aren't smart. Well, Mike Tomlin puts some of the best coaches in each and every position, Todd Haley, Mike Munchak, and others, you know, uh, to make sure that he's getting the absolute best coaching to his players he can get. So it's going to be a very tough test, but I'll tell you what, the, if the Vikings can win it, I mean, they, want, they, they beat a perennial playoff team who I think has the best shot at making the Super Bowl out of the AFC. You think so? I mean, New England, I mean, are you jaded that much by what the Chiefs did to the Patriots that, that the Patriots are not your favorite in the AFC? 
You know, the the Patriots aren't just because for me, if if you can steal the the, the home field advantage. I mean, and I've been there. I, I was in. You know, you can get the Patriots to play at your home in December, in January. You have a great shot of making the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of the weapons, you know. I mean, like I said, Martavis Bryant's but You got two thousand yard receivers. You've got lightning speed, great ability to catch. You got the best run game in the NFL. I mean, it's a tough team to beat right there alone. And they just got the youngest Watt member, family member, and he had two sacks in one game. You know, what I mean, so they can put that defensive pressure on people while having that prolific offense in the AFC. I don't see another team that can keep up. Tell us more about their offensive line. You say it's a great offensive line, but guess what? The Vikings have a great defensive line. That is. that's You're absolutely right. But I'll tell you what, you can maybe name me one all-pro player on that defensive line. I could name you four all-pro players uh, or four players who made the Pro Bowl for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, you know, they've got Pouncey. They've got Dave DeCastro, who's an all-pro. Uh, you know, Ramon Foster, you know, has been, has been stiffed. Uh, at the All Star at the at the uh, All Star game for the for the NFL the last couple of years, so um, they got you know a lot of the players. Marcus Gilbert, who's a huge, fantastic right tackle, arguably one of the best right tackles in the league. And then you can't say anything about a guy who served two tours in Afghanistan, came back and continued his dream to play football. The Steelers resigned him to a five five million dollar a year deal uh, at Al- with Alejandro Villanueva. So a tall guy, about six eight. He's got extensive long arms, but also has a mentality that cannot be tested and bent in 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 the war in the in the battling and that happens on the field in the NFL as he's already served our country as an Army Ranger. Ryan, the way you're gushing about the Steelers, how hard was it to walk away in March? I mean, you were under contract; you could be playing this game on Sunday. Man, it was incredibly hard, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, I know what it takes. You know, if, if you could drop me in at the Super Bowl, great. But I know what it takes to, to be great in the NFL. And for me, you know, my family, I got, you know, a wonderful wife. and My son's three, my daughter's two. They're going to school now. And, and I don't need to be uprooting and, and moving to another city again and kind of going through, you know, really the four seasons that are an NFL season. Games one through four go by in a blink of an eye. Games five through 15, you know, a lot changes in that time. And then if you're lucky, you get games 16, 16 through 20, when you start getting to games 17, 18, 19, the impact on your body, the physical impact on your body is just life-changing. And I've been there. I've done that for 10 years. I've had three back surgeries, total toe surgery. I've got some knee problems. I have a knee problem now. So it's, it's a matter of just saying, okay, I got everything I wanted from the game. I got to play with great franchises, make great friends. But it's time for me at, my, at this time to leave. I always wanted to leave with one more year. Um, to go, and I'm very, very lucky to do so. Most guys are either injured on their way out or get released and never get a shot, and, uh, and I'm fortunate to have called my retirement and pushed in my chips, and that feels good every day. I suppose the easy answer is he's got multiple Super Bowl rings, but, but what truly makes Ben Roethlisberger a first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, yeah, like you said, multiple Super Bowl rings, and not only that, I mean, the fact that he won a Super Bowl as a rookie, which is just insane. You know, to think about as a rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Agree. It seems but like he, forever ago, by the way. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But he's also been to three of them. You know, so he's lost one as well. So for Ben Roethlisberger, though, it's just a he. I've never been, and I've been around great ones. You know, won it with Peyton Manning, but Ben Roethlisberger makes the best in-game adjustments I've ever seen, and he will throw the ball downfield like you have not seen. He will throw a sixty-yard bomb five to six times a game, and he makes plays off schedule. 
he keeps guys motivated, and he just plays with a passion. And that's what's that's what's going to end up you know, having him probably win one more championship before he's done. Did you have fun on Monday night seeing James Onwalu? Did he dress for the Chargers on Monday? I know he made the 53-man roster as an undrafted yeah. free agent, Creighton, Durham Hall's own, Notre Dame's own. So I know James is close to you. Did you have a chance to catch up with James? Absolutely. You know, he's a Minnesota Pro Camp All-Star. He was awarded an MVP ball what seems like now 10 years ago. But, I, uh, yeah, I did. I had, uh, you know, legendary trainer out of Minnesota, Ted Johnson, performance athletics with, with here out here for the game and mm-hmm. and uh james's brother john came out as well and, and that's why i went to the game you know uh, i went to see you know, J- you know james perform he got a tackle on special teams and just to know what he's been through and to see another yet another saint paul kid make it to the nfl um it's just amazing and it's an amazing journey for james and he's just getting started ted also trains michael floyd did you have a chance to catch up with ted about michael or have you talked to michael yeah, you know, Michael, man, Michael's, uh, Michael and I are, are good buddies, man. And, um, you know, he's doing all the right things, uh, that I could, that, that I could see and that I could think of. So I'm happy for Michael that he's making, you know, great decisions and, and that he's so, he's so happy to be in Minnesota. And, uh, I'm just happy for him that he's continuing to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. I'm a hoops nut. I heard that Jimmy Butler was at Monday's game there in Denver. I heard a bunch of NBA guys were there. Yeah, Jimmy Buckets is always around, man. Those guys love uh, those guys <laughs> love coming around uh, the NFL. You know, every basketball player thinks they'd have been a first round pick if they'd have decided to play football. So Correct. They can't help them. They can't help themselves. But yeah, there's a lot of star power that comes around, especially on a Monday night game. Um, you know, Beth Mullins had a great you know play by play call. So there's history being made, and everybody loves coming to Denver. It's a fantastic city to visit. Yeah, I'm not quite sure Beth's partner in the booth had a great game, but I agree. Beth called a fabulous game. Yeah, and it's just great. You know, the NFL celebrated it, tweeted it out today. And, you know, it's just great, you know, for me to see the NFL incorporate. And the Vikings do a great job there in Minnesota. They have, you know, they've got women throughout the organization. One of them is mm-hmm. a league contract negotiator. And it's just great to see that, you know, uh, women who love the game of football are able to be a part of the game. And uh, I really appreciate that from, from my former employer. Now that you're a radio host, are you wondering why you didn't do it like years ago? That it's so easy to flip on the mic and just talk? That you should yeah, have retired years get- ago? Plus, you get free food at every game. That's Correct. crazy. The food in the press box, get out of here. You wonder why we all have big bellies. I mean, there you go. I'm telling you, man, they had fantastic uh, uh, Asian cuisine the other night. They had two different rounds of dessert. And, of course, you got the soda fountain. On. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but yeah. tell you what, man, I had to hit yoga class today, that hot yoga, to get it out of me. I'll tell you what, I can't wait for the Super Bowl at U.S. Bank Stadium. Imagine that feedback. I can't wait either, man. I'm, I'm going to be down there, too, and get on Radio Row and, and be around. So we'll have to have you on the Crackman and Harris show. And by the way, you can subscribe online, I, Apple iTunes, search Crackman and Harris, click to subscribe. But I'm looking forward to Minnesota really being able to showcase what an amazing stadium they built, but also the fans and, this, and the businesses in the Twin Cities. I mean, we are a remarkable uh, group, the Twin Cities, both St. Paul and Minneapolis, and to have to have people come and visit, and we can showcase that, especially during the the winter months. You know, I'm looking forward to Minnesota showing everybody why we're so proud to be from there. Is it completely asinine, borderline asinine to think it could be Vikings Broncos? It's borderline. borderline. <laughs> uh, you know, but you know what? It's the NFL. Anything can happen, and I don't. And I don't think that's. Uh, you know, I think that's more on the the Broncos side than than the Vikings. I mean, the NFC is is open. I mean, I think you see that by the fact that there's been a, a representative, a different representative each year in the Super Bowl um, from the NFC lately. So 
it's open. And, you know, especially if you can get that, if you can get that home field advantage in the playoffs, you win two games, you're there. And then at, once you get to the Super Bowl, uh, it's, it's just a matter of, of executing your game plan and making one less mistake than the other team, and you can win a Super Bowl. So uh, it'll be tough for the Broncos. You know, they were 28th in the run last season, uh, almost gave up the win 24-21 last night. But um, they're a focused team as well. But it's just a tough division, the AFC, the tough conference, the AFC. you got Tom, Tommy Five and Tom Brady. Alex Smith is a top-five quarterback, really hitting his stride. And of course, you got the Oakland Raiders, who everybody knows is going to be one of the top teams in the AFC this year. So it's just it's really really crowded at the top in the AFC, and not so much in the NFC. I'll leave you with an X's and O's question, a strategic question. If you were Mike Zimmer, would you have Xavier Rhodes shadow Antonio Brown on Sunday, or because Brown oftentimes lines up, whether it's in the slot all over the place, would you not go that route? You know, you got to stick man-to-man with him. And, you know, they, the, the Redskins, you want to look at a game where a team didn't do that. The Redskins have Josh Norman, and they didn't put Antonio, him on Antonio Brown mm. all game, mm-hmm. and that was a big mistake. So you got to do it. Yeah. If, if you don't define your role on defense as somebody having Antonio Brown all game to learn the, the, the way he plays just to study him and try and take him out of the game, you will not be successful. So X's and O's from a champion who played the game, you got to play man-to-man defense on him at least, if not cover him with a safety or even a dropping linebacker at times because Antonio Brown will beat you uh, one-on-one and in double coverage sometimes. Ryan, great stuff as always. What's your Twitter handle? At salams underscore from underscore 68. You can also check me out at ryanharris68.com. Keep you updated on what I've got going on. We'll be in touch, Ryan. Thanks a lot. St. Paul's own former Pittsburgh Steeler, Ryan Harris. We will get to both Joe Nathan and Twins GM Thad Levine in just a bit. Here's what you may have missed on a recent episode of Football Headquarters with Sean Zobel. One of the bigger reasons that we haven't talked about whether or not the GM or the head coach gets fired is the quarterback position, Sam Bradford. His contract is probably one of the biggest stories that nobody's talking about in that he's due after this season's up, but the Vikings won't commit to him because they don't know, A, if he's capable of being the franchise quarterback, or B, what's going to happen to Teddy Bridgewater. So, Mr. Scoopman, what's the latest that you're hearing on an extension for Bradford or what the update or status is of contract talks? I'll say this. My sense is that Bradford's side certainly has tried to engage the Vikings front office in some extension talks, my sense is the Vikings will take a wait-and-see approach. Yep, as they should. There's no rush now. The Matt Stafford contract just raises that franchise number higher and higher. But the Vikings do have the ability, if Sam Bradford has an unbelievable year, takes them to the NFC Championship game, who knows, maybe further. It's not like they will outright lose Sam Bradford. You can find the Football Headquarters podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. If you need your Scoop notes fix immediately, I will record Scoop Podcast episode 96 later in the week. But if you need immediacy when it comes to notes, I joined the Mackie and Judd show 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning, Wednesday the 13th, 10 a.m., had a bunch on Gophers football, 
plus the Wolves. So you could certainly podcast their second hour. They are on 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can find hour number two, the 10 a.m. hour, those first 15 minutes when I was on, on the Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com. All right, let's get to Thad Levine entering Wednesday night's game against the Padres. The Twins two games up for that second wild card, 18 games to go in the regular season. Thad is podcast cocaine, podcast gold, so we love having him on. Oh, I'm such a sneaky SOB. We'll get to Thad in just a moment, but let me sneak in some love for another sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. Camp Zero Coolers online, camp-zero.com. Again, camp-zero.com. Remember the promo code SCOOP. SCOOP for $10 off your order. All their coolers are very reliable and affordable. The guys who own Camp Zero asked the same question. They're brothers. They're business partners. They always traveled the world together. They still do. 30 years and running And they've been developing and sourcing products to make outdoor living easier. They've always wondered, why can't all these outdoor products be a bit more affordable? Well, now these guys bring you affordable outdoor products, including these great coolers. Their philosophy is simple. You offer ruggedly cool outdoor products that are affordable and, more importantly, designed to withstand the rigors of the outdoors. Whether you are headed to go camping, hunting, fishing tailgating, just attend a family picnic, Camp Zero branded products will always have your back. They believe it's time for an affordable quality product that you can count on. Are you ready for the next ruggedly cool adventure? Well, if you are, check out camp-zero.com. Again, camp-zero.com. Check out their products. Their coolers are fantastic. Again, use the promo code SCOOP. SCOOP for $10 off your order. Camp Zero Coolers, camp-zero.com. Here is Thad Levine. Thad, you're always so kind with your time. Appreciate it. Don't ask why, but I had a bunch of time this morning, so I went to a bunch of websites. I went to Fangraphs. I went to Baseball Prospectus. I went to 538. They have these, I don't know, complicated or simple formulas for trying to predict the percent chance of you guys making the postseason. So Fangraphs has you guys like at 55%, actually closer to 56%. Prospectus is like 61.6%, Do you put any stock whatsoever into these percent chances? Well, mostly the high ones. Those, <laughs> yeah. are, those are the ones I, I pay the most attention to. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we're respectful of them. I, I think they definitely are you know, general guide points. But like anything, I, I think you're more attentive to how you feel the team's performing, how they're performing up to their capabilities and kind of the aura around the club to give you a gauge as to what the uh, what tomorrow may bring for the club. Because, you know, I think all of us who have worked in the game of baseball or sports in general uh, you've been on the positive side of those numbers, and sometimes you've been on the negative, and there's always exceptions. And you know, even as you're, you're, you're saying numbers like 61% seems pretty lofty, but that also suggests there's 39% chance that there's another outcome that could take place. So I think we're cognizant of that. Uh, we're not too married to it until it says 100% at the end of the year or at any point during the season. Uh, we, we will be more mindful of what's going on on the field than what's going on in that column of of the Fangraphs and Baseball American 538 uh, websites. My own personal formula, it's pretty much the eye test, actually a lot of the eye test, which is looking at your remaining schedule. I've got you like at 98%. I just don't know how you guys missed the playoffs, Thad, with the schedule that you guys have remaining. 
You know, I, I think I think there's been something made of that, and I think that's why you see the congestion continue in the in the wild card race because, by and large, most of these teams are playing one another still throughout the process, and mm-hmm. so it's tough to create a lot of separation absent of a six six game winning streak by any one club, and we're just not seeing that. Uh, and I think it speaks to the fact that you know all of the teams that are in this race have a lot of strengths, but they also have a flaw or two mixed in, and so they're having a difficult time having too much sustained success through the process. But, you know, I, 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 my experience has been what you see on paper relative to the winning percentage of your opponents can be a double-edged sword in so much as some teams that are, you know, out of it already will be playing with absolutely nothing to lose. And the team with absolutely nothing to lose can be a dangerous foe at times. Uh, expectations can be quite burdensome. Having none uh, allows you to play with a lot of freedom. So you can either... Those teams either may be rolling over, uh, but they also may be playing at a, a, a very different level because they don't, they're not encumbered whatsoever by expectations. I suppose the only thing better would have been if you guys somehow traded for Justin Verlander, but the fact that you don't have to face him when you play the Tigers these remaining seven games, then you think about Tuesday night, I'm sure you got home after the 16 to nothing win over San Diego. You get home, you watch Verlander just dominate the Angels. It was, it was a great performance by him, and, and, and absolutely. I think there were a lot of people in – Twins territory for the first time in their lives were probably rooting for Justin Verlander, yeah. uh, but I think we all we all certainly were pull, pulling for him. I mean, I, I think you got to look at just the volume of players that have come out of the American League Central, who a year ago or even parts of this year were wearing Detroit Tigers and Chicago White Sox jerseys, who are now impacting playoff races, some some at a very high level. Uh, and it just goes to show you that the, the, the talent that was in this division and the talent was specific to those two clubs. Uh, that now is playing elsewhere. The the good news for those two teams is they've gotten a lot of younger talent back. The good news for those of us in the Central right now is those guys aren't in the Central right now. Did you think, as you're watching Tuesday night's game unfold, I mean, were you surprised, I guess maybe is the better way to put it, were you surprised that you guys did not hit a home run there in the eighth inning? You know, it's, it was a remarkable game, and it was just, yes. I, you, you rarely see a team click on every facet of the game. I mean, I think I think Gibby set the tone. Uh, you know, after Dozier hits the, the, the home run in the first inning, Gibby just starts rolling. And I think his chemistry with with uh, Jason Castro behind the plate was exceptional throughout the game. I think there were a lot of big pitches made in that game that were lost in the fact that we were we were winning by such a large margin. But so many huge points. Joe Joe Mauer's RBI single with the with two outs in the second inning and then Polanco's two-run homer, I mean, I think really helped seal the deal. And I think for Minnesota Twins fans, we've watched that game so many times this year where we don't get that big hit to put us over the top or to really create that distance. And then that puts so much pressure on the rest of the game. Mercifully, yesterday, that was about as pressure-free a game you're going to watch. Uh, we'd love to be blessed to watch a few more of those uh, between now and the end of the year, but we'll enjoy the ones as we see them. Yeah, I mean, plural there. I mean, ones is correct. I mean, heck, you've seen some crazy things in all your years in the game, but in a span of 10 days, have you ever seen anything even close to winning one game 17 to nothing and another 16 to nothing? I I think we're hopeful that the the following games are going to be a little bit more eventful than after we won 17 nothing. Yeah, good call. The the age old curse of the, and you usually don't see it quite, quite to that scope, but where you end up winning. The run differential in a in a series, but you lose the series. So I think it's important for us to come back out tonight and, and play at a high level and continue to perform. You know, can't expect to have quite that lopsided a win 
Uh, San Diego's a very talented club, and we've got a very good opponent on the mound tonight. Uh, but hopefully we can come back with some urgency to win the series now. I mean, there should be some urgency. You're right. Yeah, that's right. The, the Royals won that Sunday game after you guys beat them on Saturday, 17 to nothing. But, I mean, you guys are now rolling at home. Remember when winning at home was an issue? It's no longer an issue, Thad. I think you know. I think that's some degree of the season correcting itself. I just think it's unlikely to go a whole home slate and, and scuffle like we were earlier. But I also think you're seeing the overall maturation of a team, a team that now believes it can win uh, rather than just hoping to win. And I, and I think you're seeing that across the board. We're, we're winning in different ways. I think every facet of our, our team has elevated. Uh, we were actually noting yesterday that uh, you know, Chris Jimenez is actually pinch running now rather than uh, relief pitching, which I think is a huge <laughs> step in the right direction. But there was an error of the 2017 Twins where that was one of the subplots of it was how many outings was Chris Jimenez going to have. It's great that that's really in the rearview mirror and we're playing really sound baseball at the big league level. And I think we've gone from a team that teams were pleasantly surprised to play well to, you know, everyone now expects us to play well. We're very much in this race, and, and I think we deserve to be there. You briefly touched on Kyle Gibson. I mean, he's been, heck, borderline brilliant going back, what is it, eight, nine starts. What what are some of the keys to Kyle Gibson's turnaround? I, I think Kyle has always had the stuff to excel at the major league level and to neutralize good offenses. It, it's really overly simplified with him. It's it's a matter of throwing strikes, and we, we sat down with him at different touch points during the season and talked to him about the importance of him just trusting his stuff and throwing strikes because he has multiple pitches to get big league hitters out. I think now that his strike percentage has consistently been rising in his start, he's been seeing a ton of success, and he's been seeing a lot of early count outs because uh, hitters don't want to get deep into counts with him because he then has multiple means of striking you out late in count. So I give I give Kyle a ton of credit, and I think this just speaks to how deep this team is and how resilient it is that if you know we, we looked back two months ago and we said that we were going to be in the heart of a playoff race and Kyle Gibson was going to be heading our charge uh, with, with Jorge Polanco hitting third and, and uh, you know, no Brandon Kinsler, but we weren't going to miss a beat at the end of the back end of the game with, with Matt Belisle. I think people wouldn't have believed it. That's exactly where we are today. I mean, are people done giving you grief about moving Kinsler or moving Garcia just because the bullpen has been so good? I mean, you know this. You took a good amount of heat. You and Derek took a good amount of heat. Now, I was actually defending you guys because I was okay with it, thinking how many more innings was Kinsler really going to pitch the rest of the way? Garcia, you'll be able to overcome. I mean, he was fine in the one start in Oakland, but I figured, hey, you'll be okay without without Garcia. But you know this. You took a lot of heat for trading those two guys. Is the heat we now did. done, or are you taking more heat about now? That? How dare they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you know, and I think you and I have spoken about this before. You know, what, what we are charged to do is to make the best decisions moment in time that we believe can impact this franchise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do it with a short-term view. Sometimes we do it with a medium to long-term view. And, and that's exactly what we did in both those instances. And I don't think we regret making either the additions or ultimately the changes that we made. Now, I think it's extremely fortuitous that despite subtracting a guy who had been so successful with us, who had been such a good part of our clubhouse and Brandon Kinsler, that I, I think we've been blessed to have guys like Matt Belisle and Trevor Hildenberger and Taylor Rogers and Duffy and Boosnitz and the whole crew, all those guys have picked us up and bailed us out. Uh, but isn't that the, the mark of a champion that when one part of the team falters, the other one picks them up? And I think the pen has by and large picked up our decision there, hopefully made it a little bit of a mood issue. I'm sure we would love to have 
Tinsler with us, it's hard to envision that unit performing much better than it has since his departure. It's been a bona fide competitive advantage for us. I'm with you. The bullpen has been phenomenal. In fact, I'll ask you about Hildenberger in a second. But back to Gibson, is he is Gibson a lock to be tendered this winter? Like for the longest time, I thought, well, he might be a non-tender guy. But at this point, is it an obvious decision that he will be back or at least – I mean, who knows, maybe a shop him or something like that in a trade, but that you will tender him this winter? I, I think what you see out of this season from us, and quite frankly, just from following the game, is starting pitching and quality starting pitching is is at a premium in mm-hmm. our game. Uh, you know, we're, we're unfortunately in an era where there's a lot of injuries, uh, and depth is tantamount. And so we are aspirational of being a playoff-relevant team moving forward. Uh, those types of teams need to have a wealth of starting pitching options. And I think Kyle Gibson has established himself as very much uh, part of that equation moving forward for the Minnesota Twins. What makes Hildenberger so good? I, I think there's a number of things. You know, we, we started this spring training where there was a lot of buzz around some of the velocity we had coming up in our, our, our pen, you know, whether it was JT Shagwa or Jake Reed or Nick Birdie. And or Trevor May, and you know, unfortunately, due to a myriad of injuries, those guys uh, have not been able to contribute at the big league level as much as they had aspired to. And, and then, lo and behold, you have guys like Trevor Hildenberger and Alan Boosnitz and John Curtis, uh, who then all of a sudden became the guys who filled in for those guys, took took the mantle, and have really thrived. In Trevor Hildenberger's case, I think his ability to throw multiple pitches in any count. Uh, from multiple angles, he you know primarily is low three quarters to sidearm. Occasionally he goes up top, uh, but he is his command of his changeup, his slider, and his fastball make him a, having multi facets of weapons. And, and there's just something to be said as we're becoming more knowledgeable on how to evaluate pitching. There's something to do with his deception that it's very difficult to see, and, and guys are getting very poor swings at him. And you know the real measure of this is he's starting to go through the league for a second time. So people very mm-hmm. much have scouting reports on him and you still hear scuttlebutt from the other clubs of, of players, not, not being comfortable in that bats against him. And hopefully that will continue for quite some time. And the other thing about him is I think he has the resolve to be a, a great reliever. He's just a very even killed demeanor. Uh, it's a very humble man uh, with a short term memory. And I think, you know, when you're around guys like Eddie Guardado, I think that's one thing that he really tries to instill in these guys is whatever happened tonight, let it wash down the drain, learn from it, and let's go get him tomorrow. And I think Trevor Hildenberger's really embodied that. Speaking of deception, the guy who made his Major League debut on Tuesday night, Moya, the pitcher you got for John Ryan Murphy from the Diamondbacks organization a few weeks back. I mean, I don't know if he'll be used much, heck, if at all, here the rest of the way, but there's some deception there. I like him. There's some deception, some moxie, some chutzpah, yeah. some color on the mound. Uh, there's a lot of people circulating around the, the clubhouse referring to him as Little Eddie Guardado mixed with uh, the Mad Hungarian. So there's, there, there's something to him. I, I think it actually dovetails perfectly from the conversation about Hildenberger because neither of these guys pitches with an overpowering fastball. Both of these guys have experienced tremendous success in the minor leagues over the last year plus, and I think it has a lot to do with deception. I think it has a lot to do with spin rate. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the ability to command three pitches as a reliever and sometimes pitch backwards. You know, he, he like Hildenberger, has a, has a plus changeup. He has a plus slider. And you'll see him pitch a lot with those pitches. And then all of a sudden his, 
90 to 92 looks a lot firmer than it, than it otherwise would. But I think you're also looking at two guys who have a, a pretty low tolerance, I mean, a high tolerance for fear and for being in, in challenging situations. These guys thrive on those situations, and that's usually the maker of a pretty effective reliever. It dovetails right back to what we were talking about with Brandon Kinsler. I think you could say a lot of, of the same things about him as well. How much credit do you give Brian Dozier? I mean, he was one of the guys. I mean, I was talking about fans being upset with you about the trades. I mean, heck, I mean, he had some choice words to us reporters, whether it was August 1st, August 2nd, after you made the two trades. But you know what? Since that date, he has been phenomenal. It almost feels like somebody brought this up to me. It almost has a feel like the movie Major League, which I'm sure you've seen many times where, you know, heck, they've got the, you know, whatever it is, the poster board of the owner, the female owner in the clubhouse, you know, stripping away, you know, one by one after each victory. Like, you know, it's us against the world mentality. But I'm just telling you, individually, Thad, Dozier since about August 1st has been so good. So he expressed all that frustration, but now he's backing up that that frustration, the words he had about you guys and just overall frustration. He's backing it up on the field because he's been great. Well, you know, I, I, Derek and I don't we don't get bothered by by what Brian has ever said because I think he's speaking from passion and a desire for the mm-hmm. Minnesota Twins to be great, and we share we share that feeling with him. Uh, you know, what the fans may not know is behind the scenes we have a very healthy, open relationship with Brian, in which he expresses, you know, both concerns and counsel to us at times throughout the course of the year, and and, and I, I chalk all that stuff up to, to passion and in his role in the team where he is one of the you know, kind of the spoken leaders on this club. And so he's trying to represent the interests of the whole group. And, you know, he's trying to use tools to motivate the guys in the clubhouse. And, and we respect that. So I, I, I think the, there's, a, there's a lot of harmony between uh, the clubhouse and the front office and specifically with Brian. And then relative to his performance, I, I still feel somehow, some way, this guy is one of the unsung heroes of, of Major League Baseball, you know, whether it's Looking up and seeing that over the last, since the All-Star break in 2016, he has the third most home runs in the major leagues, a, a stat I don't think anyone would necessarily mm. think of. Yeah, uh, he, he is a bona fide competitive advantage on every facet of the game, uh, and he's doing it from the leadoff spot. He's leading our team offensively in most relevant uh, categories, uh, and he's setting the tone for the team. So this, this is a person who along with Joe Maurer, represents kind of the senior leadership of our position player team. Uh, and, and, they, and the other thing that I think you can't underestimate is the guy doesn't take a day off. And he doesn't take a day off from grinding it out there and, and performing at a very high level. So, you know, it, it's rare to see a leadoff hitter carry a team, but he may be doing just that. I can tell you this, whether or not he's leading the team, uh, carrying the team rather, I can tell you he's setting the tone uh, pretty significantly in the clubhouse on the field defensively, on the field running the bases, and on the field in the batter's box. I would presume it's also a two-way street. You're talking about healthy dialogue, you guys in the front office, with Dozier, that he's also praising you guys, whether it was to not trade him to the Dodgers or somewhere else, whether it was the signing of Matt Belisle. I mean, I would hope he's also praising you guys for the number of good things you've done. Well, you know, I, I think you know, so. some of these conversations take place privately, and you don't want to reveal confidences, but I will say this, when when players approach you in the offseason and say, I am aware that this team lost 103 games, but I want to see it through, and I don't think we're that far away, and I would prefer to stay here than go to a team that may be poised to win a championship, that speaks volumes. And I would say more than the words, it's the actions that back that up. And for a guy like Brian, 
as you referenced, everything he's done this year has backed up his commitment to this to this franchise, to this community, and to trying to win a championship here. A couple final points, and then I'll let you go. Mejia will go on Saturday? We are slotting him back in. I'm not sure if that's 100% confirmed, but that's where it's looking like it's lining up. Uh, we are. He, he had a very good rehab stint, uh, which was very encouraging. He ended up getting multiple starts down there, the last of which was in a playoff setting. Uh, he is locked and ready to go, and, and hopefully will give us a nice shot in the arm down the stretch. What about Miguel Sano back in the lineup Monday in New York? Uh, not going to put a date on it. I will just say that he, he's been experiencing some progress, which is massively encouraging to us. There were some period of time where he was kind of spinning his wheels and so to see him progress uh, I think is extremely encouraging to to us Uh, this is one of those cases where you first have to make sure he himself feels like he's ready once he kind of announces that he's ready then you you kind of go to the medical staff and find out what their assessment is if they're in concert with one another uh, then you can get him back on the field and I think we've talked from anywhere from whether or not this guy could come back as a pinch hitter a DH or a third baseman uh, clearly, we would take him in any capacity to help the big league club down the stretch. Still a belief, though, that he comes back at some point, that he's not out for the year? I'm a believer. I'm a glass-half-full guy, so I'm, I'm going to look at this and say, why not? Until he tells us that he can't do it, uh, and when our medical staff says he, they're seeing some progress, I'm, I'm going to believe that he's going to come back and impact us. What is the next step? I mean, do you do some simulated games at Target Field? Uh, we, it's... So right now, you know, ideally you would send them out on a minor league rehab. Yeah. But but in this case, we really aren't missing much. We, we've got a number of pitchers at the big league level here uh, who could use some extra work. And so we can get some sim games going with him uh, where he can face some righties, face some lefties, quite frankly, face some guys throwing at different angles with different, different repertoires. So when he's ready to go, uh, we'll have ample arms up here to give him real at-bats so that when he gets back in the batter's box, while still maybe a little rusty, he, he will be well down the path to contribute. Do you ramp up efforts when it comes to scouting the Yankees as opposed to just having you know one of your pro scouts? Do you send a Vern Followell or a Mike Radcliffe to go watch the Yankees here in the in the next couple of weeks? Well, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to let the Yankees know that, but I <laughs> we, we, we have actually done that already. We we have, and it's not just the Yankees; it's it's a myriad of teams. We we are we're believers, so we're going to prepare ourselves in the event that the whomever we may face in the playoffs, we will have information relevant to it. Now, one of the teams you just referenced, uh, we, we ultimately play here upcoming. So we're, we're, we have some significant scouting commitment to them, uh, no different than we would for Cleveland, two teams that we would anticipate potentially facing in the playoffs. So that's helpful for us to face those two teams down the stretch. But, but yes, we, we have uh, Vern has, has put together a plan in conjunction with Jeremy Hefner and Jeff Pickler, who coordinate all of our advance uh, for our major league team, and they've got a, a plan to, to cover the teams that we think are most likely to be potential playoff foes for us. Are you more a delegator or just overseer, or do you go out and see some of these teams? No, I, I am. I leave that to the scouts. Absolutely, these guys are are trusted uh, evaluators in the field, and we wouldn't change anything now, especially when the stakes are this high. So, know that we we have our most experienced and most accomplished scouts who are pounding the pavement, sitting on those teams, and hopefully giving us some quality insight. This player in Japan that Sports Illustrated has dubbed, what, the, the Babe Ruth of Japan, Otani. Are you guys watching him pretty closely here? We are. We are. And, we, and you know, I think we, like so many other teams, we have been for years now. 
Uh, he is he is a transcendent talent. You know, I think we've seen so many quality starting pitchers come out of Japan, and so uh, we we have you know from Daisuke to Matsuzaka to Darvish and now Otani. Uh, there is no team that questions the ability for the plus contributors over there to come over here and have that contribution translate. Uh, and when you're talking about a player of this transcendent talent, uh, we, like every club, are very attentive to, to most of his outings and even some of his at-bats. So, yeah, we've got people on the ground there. We've sent, we've sent to professional scouts from the United States over, uh, we've, and we've had a number of our senior evaluators, Mike Radcliffe and otherwise, who've seen him pitch quite a bit over the years. Will you plan to go over there? Will Derek plan to go over there in the next few weeks? I have actually been over there in a in, in, in a different capacity when I was working for a different team, so I have some familiarity. Uh, and, and candidly, I don't know to what extent Derek has in, in the past in his career, but uh, it's, it's a treat to see this guy play. And, you know, he his team came over to uh, spring train, I think it was last year, in Peoria at, at the San Diego Seattle complex, so mm-hmm. he was in the states for a while as well. So a lot of us got to see him there. How much too. can you? How much can you glean in person compared to just breaking down video? Like, do you really need to go over there? I get it. You'll have the Radcliffe's of the world to go over there. But when I'm saying whether you're going over there or Derek, how much can be gleaned watching in person versus all the video that you guys can get your fingerprints on? Uh, I, I think the purpose when somebody like Derek or myself would go over there is a little bit different than just a, a talent evaluation. You know, presumably, regardless of how the system will ultimately work, there's conversations around that there may be some tweaking to the posting system. You have to work under the assumption that he may have some jurisdiction over the decision he makes. And so, you know, especially in that market, relationships are key. And so I think being able to put a name to the face and the connections from the franchise to to the player or to the, you know, the family or the people who are going to be influencing the decision is very important. So. Sometimes when people in Derek's in my position, executives with the Twins and with other clubs go over, uh, they're doing more so as a a relationship building and gaining a little bit more of an insight as to who's going to be helping him make this decision and what's going to be the drivers outside of just the dollars and cents of the deal. Unfortunately, because of Hurricane Irma, there were lives lost, a lot of streets. I mean, you name it. I mean, there was a lot of damage. I guess, fortunately... It could have been far, far worse. I mean, all the employees, all the players that you guys have in the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Fort Myers, everybody's okay? Everybody's doing well. We had some guys who had some real scares, um, but but by and large, everyone is okay, and that's the most important. I think there's some meaningful property damage, and that's still being assessed, uh, but no personal damage, which is, which is tantamount in these cases, and we had a number of coaches in the major league level who, who have family down there. Uh, and so our hearts and thoughts were with those guys and still are as there's now's the rebuilding. But I think the worst is behind them. They, they literally weathered the storm. Uh, and, and mercifully, there were, there's no damage done to any of our individuals. How about the Lee County Sports Complex? I mean, it looked to me, Thad, that it could have been so much worse in Fort Myers. Not that it's good, but it could have been so much worse in Fort Myers that Fort Myers might have in some ways dodged a bullet. I think I think they did. You know, it looked at some point like the the epicenter of the, the storm was going to go right over them, and it, it seems as if they came out, and I'm not going to say unscathed because there was damage done, but I just don't think it was to the magnitude that we 
felt the exposure would have suggested. Uh, right now, the, the complex itself has, uh, over the last five days, been home to a lot of first responders, National Guards members, uh, emergency medical staff, and they've been housed there and treating that as a home base that they've been kind of going out in the community and trying to resolve all outstanding matters. So right now that's been our focus and our try- attempt to try to support uh, the system right now in Lee County. Uh, but I think that also is positive because it indicates that it's, it's, it's a place that people can stay and they can, and everything is up and running there. I think we just got electricity back today. Oh, good. Nice. Uh, such that the first responders are able to use it as a home base. So that's a positive thing. Did I hear you right off, Mike, that you've committed to the podcast every week until you guys are done? So like late October, early November? Are we still recording? <laughs> I, I, hey, listen, I would I would like nothing more for uh, this to be a newsworthy event every every week for for a long time to come. That would mean we're still playing baseball, and if we're still playing baseball, great things can happen. There's no reason why it can't, right? I mean, once you get in, we've seen a lot of crazy things happen. Heck, I would take my chances against the Yankees. Take the one game playoff, then play. Who knows whether it's the Indians or the Astros? But why can't you guys win the World Series? Well, you know, I, th- I think some of these guys are starting to get that attitude. And, you know, whether it's the World Series or just tomorrow night's game, I think there's a lot of sentiment about uh, surrounding the fact that there's a, there's a confidence brewing in this club uh, that is starting to match up with the talent on the field. And I think that's a very encouraging thing. How far that takes us this year, I think, yet to be determined. Uh, but I would say that I am very proud watching this team. The maturation that has taken place inside of a season is pretty significant. Uh, quite monumental, really, when you feel, when you realize where we came from last year and the attitude we could have had coming into the season. And I give these guys a ton of credit. Speaking of monumental, you are podcast cocaine. Thad Levine, thank you as always. It's my pleasure. Love talking to Thad Levine. We'll have to make him a weekly guest on the Scoop podcast. He is so, so good at the Twins general manager. Here's my conversation with Joe Nathan. We got stacked last week. Among Brent Flair, Wild VP, Jamal Crawford, Thad Levine. I was trying to make sure that Scoop Podcast episode 94 wasn't 75 or 80 minutes. I also got my notes into 94. I didn't do two podcasts last week. So I saved Joe Nathan for this week. Joe Nathan in early September announced his retirement. He signed a one-day contract with the Twins. He retires a Minnesota Twin. I had a chance to catch up with Joe Nathan, the all-time saves leader in Twins history that day. So here's my conversation going back a few weeks. We just didn't have time on episode 94 to play it, so we'll play it here on episode 95, my conversation with Joe Nathan. Why here? I mean, I guess Dustin sort of asked this question, but, I mean, you could have done this news conference in Texas. You could have done it somewhere else. Why was it important to do it here at Target Field with the Twins organization here in Minnesota? I think, you know, for me, I think this was, you know, not only where I – kind of kind of took off my career kind of took off but you know I, I think it also um just is where you know it's a it was a special time here a special place a special group of people uh twins families special to me uh i was here for a long time um you know i feel like you know when when even when i was done i felt like minnesota was still home for me so uh, it was just really important for me to to get back here. Uh, even with the one-day contract, it was important for me to come back for a day and, and just kind of uh, get back into this uh, this group of guys, this family, and, and be able to hopefully uh, 
hopefully do some stuff down the road with them. I know I'll uh, be back this winter, uh, especially, you know, uh, for the caravan. Uh, come back for that, but then moving forward, uh, I'm sure we'll have some talks and, and see what else we can do to possibly, uh, you know, help out along the way. Thad brought up the Hall of Fame in his opening remarks. Have you thought about that, though? I mean, you think about, I mean, you're above Mariano Rivera when it comes to all-time saves percentage. I mean, you're 89-3. I think he's 89-1, but you're above him. One can make a case that you have a Hall of Fame resume. Have you thought about that? I haven't. Uh, I don't think you ever do. Um, you know, even now that I'm done and, uh, you know, it, it still seems very new to me being done playing. You know, I, I think when I was playing, it was always always about that day and, and doing what I can that day to help this team win. Uh, now that it's so fresh being done, you know, I really haven't had time to kind of reflect and think back and um, and and and, you know, I'll never, ever think, do I belong in a, in a place like the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's just above and beyond, um, you know, and, and rightfully so, because it's not my point to think about it, you know, that we have other people to, to, uh, to make those decisions for you. And, and, you know, hopefully when it does come time, hopefully, you know, there is a shot, you know, but at least to even be in those conversations was, would be incredible to me and, and my family for them to, to hear the talks. But, uh, like I said, it's it's such an elite group, so I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't even take the time to think about it or worry about it. Just try and try and enjoy life in the next chapter right now. Is this for sure it? I mean, if the phone rings next February, will the competitive juices still flow? If some team says, "Hey, will you come throw for us? We'd like to see you throw." Maybe there's something still there. Will you answer the phone? Um, no, no. I mean, I I would think this is it. Not unless I would need a full off season to to know and, and get myself prepared. I was always a guy that prepared very well and got myself ready for February. Uh, and then when I got into February, I got myself ready for opening day. So uh, I was always one that tried to put the work in to get myself ready. So, you know, if somebody called in February, I'd tell them they're crazy because I'm not ready to go. I'd, I'd need a, a few months to get myself ready. So I'm, I'm done. What was the last handful of months like trying to get back to the majors with, with the Nationals? Um, it was just tough. You know, I, I think I felt good and felt like I was throwing good enough to, to, to get up there. Um, you had a great spring. Uh, you know, normally I don't. Normally my springs are very rough. Uh, and actually came in and knew I had to had to perform this spring. So I came in with a little different mindset and had a decent spring. So I uh, thought I had a chance to, to, to break with their club and, and then, uh, you know, ultimately not getting up there, no hard feelings. It was one of those things where, uh, you know, I think I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, it's more important for me to be home at this stage, being 42. My kids are, I think, at a stage now where I really need to be home for them and, and with school and sports and all the activities they have, they're so busy. So I just want to make sure they're going down the right path right now. So um, for me, I, I sat down and, and weighed the options of continuing to play and grind out and possibly getting a call in August or September or time to go home and, and take care of business at home and what's important to me. And that's my kids right now. So uh, it was a pretty easy decision. Toughest decision of your career? Was it leaving here? I mean, Texas was coming off, what, two consecutive World Series appearances. They offered more money, I believe. But the Twins made an offer, correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a hard decision to leave here, or did they not make an offer even? So maybe it was easy. It was easy. Yeah, I'll just leave it at I think it was, it was just an easy decision. There really wasn't uh, 
wasn't and again I didn't expect it either you know I think it was it was one of those things where I was here for a while and then I got hurt and then I think that first year coming back didn't go too uh, too well even though I was throwing better towards the end of the season which kind of with the timeline played the way we wanted to at least if I could finish strong give myself a chance for for 2012 and and that's kind of what happened so uh, it really wasn't that hard I mean it was obviously hard to leave here I don't want to say it was an easy decision to leave because you know obviously I loved it here and wanted to stay and was hoping uh, to get an opportunity to stay here uh, but you know when when their offer came through and there really wasn't uh, wasn't anything other. Uh, and then, you know, having the meeting with, with uh, Nolan Ryan and them uh, just really made it comfortable to go over there. But uh, anytime you leave an organization that you've been with for a while uh, doesn't make it easy. Uh, it's, you know, but as far as the decision, there really wasn't much out there. I'll leave you with this, whether it was 04, 06, maybe 09, maybe 10, but was there a sense of, gosh darn, we should have gone further? I mean, you talked about, you know, you, that close to being up 2-0 in 4 yep. You know, 6 you guys finished 71-33. and 33. It seemed like there was something special those last 100 games. Yep. Then it ended, just snap of the fingers, 3-0. Yep. Was there always a sense of, gosh, we should have gone further? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably one of the toughest things we always had to swallow. Uh, I think now that, you know, we're, we're years past that, I think we could definitely talk about it, you know, and, and say we, we definitely feel like we should have done more with the teams we've had uh, and we we could have done more but again you know everyone always talks about oh this happened this happened you know but you know we more times than not we were playing that that yankee team that won a whole lot of games and and we're really 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 tough to beat in the postseason so uh you know it just seemed like you needed a lot of things to go right against that team and and unfortunately we just fell up fell short against them a few times Joe Nathan, a very honest Joe Nathan, saying, yes, we definitely feel like we should have gone further one of those years, talking about those Twins playoff teams in 04, 06, 09, and 10. We will finish this interview podcast. Remember, we'll go News and Notes, episode 96, later in the week, but we'll finish the interview portion, or at least the interview full podcast here, episode 95, with a brief back and forth I had recently with Justin Morneau. Is Justin Morneau the next former twin to announce his retirement? Will he soon have a news conference like Joe Nathan recently had at Target Field? Here is Justin Morneau. Still doing baseball activities with the hope that maybe it's next year at this point? Not on September the 1st, no. no. Well, Ryan Howard just signed. It seemed like a week ago Ryan Howard just latched on somewhere, right? But, oh, yeah. But more than likely, we're looking at next year. Are you still going training with the Yankees? I, I don't know. I'm, I'll see. I'm going to see how I feel. I took some time off, and I'll see, uh, see what happens this winter. I don't know. I mean, if... People weren't knocking down the door last year. I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot more opportunities next year. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm home. I'm happy. A new baby and busy and all that kind of stuff. So, whatever happens, uh, I'm still not completely closing it off. So, not going to have another one of these for for me tomorrow. Uh, that's all I'll say to that. You know what? Though, can you picture yourself filming? Maybe it's the inevitable follow-up. Not trying to force you into retirement, but as you see Joe up here, can you picture yourself in a similar situation at some point down the road doing something just like this? Eh. I don't know. I, if my wife talked me into it, maybe. I don't know. That's one of those things where I'm... It's kind of nice just to go away sometimes. <laughs> you sit up there and get emotional, and, and it's nice to be able to reflect. But, 
you know, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Morneau certainly was honest. I don't know if I played the clip there. Might have been off camera. But anyway, he said, hey, if teams haven't been calling this year after I set out a year, will teams really be calling? But Justin Morneau isn't quite ready to announce his retirement. More love for one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com on West 7th Street in St. Paul, between 35E and downtown St. Paul, not far from 35E for 7 bucks. You can get a tour of their brewery, you get some Hagee's Pizza, you get a flight or a pint. Think about all their great flavors, their great beer. They've been around since 1995. You don't survive that long in the local brewery business unless you have a really good product. Give them a try. They have beers. They have wines. They have root beer. I'm telling you, you think about this upcoming weekend, you'll be watching Viking Steelers. You'll be watching Gophers Middle Tennessee State. You'll be watching the Twins against the Blue Jays. So many good options when it comes to sports this weekend. You'll be sitting on your couch. You need your beer fix. What about Vine Park Brewery? For more information, go to vinepark.com. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 95. Again, news and notes, a bunch on the Wolves, Gophers football, whatever else I have jotted down. Mitch Leidner had another workout for an NFL team. That's just top of head. I've got a bunch of stuff written down. We will get to that on Scoop Podcast episode 96 later this week. Always appreciate you listening. Thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed episode 95.